And so thank you to you moms for your faithfulness. Yes, this message is for the ladies today, but it's applicable to every single one of us sitting here today. And so if you can turn with me in your Bible, on your smartphone, to the book of Philippians. It's in the New Testament. We're going to be reading from there. It's a preach that, that is formed between two brackets. It's a preach that my mate Rory preached, and uh, it's an incredible preach. I've tweaked a little bit. And, and, and the first bracket on this side here is a bracket of genuineness. And this bracket on this side over here is a, is a bracket of extreme generosity. Two words that I think describe the, the ladies that were up here a couple of minutes ago. Genuineness, this bracket here, and generosity on this side, this bracket here. You're saying, Daryl, for goodness sakes, why do you honor the ladies so much today? Well, the Bible says we do always glorify God, but we honor man. And so today it's our turn to honor the ladies here at Freedom Church. And so if you're new to church, to Freedom Church, you're thinking, Daryl, what do you honor about? We honor about family. God is busy putting a family together. Mother, your son. Son, your mother. He's busy putting a family together in this school hall. And so if you can turn with me to chapter 2, in honor of the ladies at Freedom Church here today. Verse 19 Paul says, if the Lord is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he will be able to cheer me up by telling me how you are all getting along. He says this. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. Say genuine. It's a word we sometimes take for granted. Over my 47 years, I've bought a lot of fake leather things. So, so my wife's bought one or two fake leather handbags, S, plural. I've, I've bought one or two fake leather belts. Trouble is when I eat too many Easter eggs like I've just done over the past while, I've got to just move the notch of the belt up a little bit. And then before you know it, the fake leather belt, just where there's, it starts to become a crack, a, a tears. You guys have been there. And so I've got my leather one on here today because it doesn't break, it doesn't tear. G- genuine leather doesn't break, doesn't tear. Moms, thank you for your genuineness that you've shared and that you've lived throughout your lives. I think many of you have been manipulated at times. I think many of you have been abused at times. I think sometimes some of your mates' friends have overstayed their welcome in your homes at times. But somehow, just like that genuine leather doesn't crack, somehow through God's grace, your lives stay soft. Thank you. Thank you for your genuineness. Because your hearts are genuine. For everyone looks out for his own interests, verse 21. That's the world, eh? Me, myself, and I. Not those of Jesus Christ. He says, you look out for your own interests. What about looking out for the interests of Jesus Christ? But you know that Timothy, the Zoke, he has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me. That's incredible. He didn't serve Paul. He wasn't this guy walking behind Paul. Do you need water? Here's your Bible. Check this out. He served with Paul. Beautiful, eh? 
He serves with me in the work for the gospel. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me here. We'll see where he is here just now. He says, I've got confidence in the Lord that I myself will come over to see you soon. Meanwhile, I like that word. Meanwhile, I thought I should send Ephroditus, sorry, Epaphroditus to you. Now this oak Epaphroditus, he's one of a kind. He's a proper oak. He's like Harry Kane. Did you check him last night? But I mean, that I can do absolutely anything. Kept me awake till 11. We should have won. You know, Liverpool, they say, I will never walk alone. You will walk alone if you don't have Jesus in your life, Liverpool fan. I'll tell you that much. But, but that, he can attack, he can defend, and he knows just exactly where to put the ball to sign on the right, and we score. My goodness, Epaphroditus is one of a kind guy. He can do absolutely anything. And he sends him back to them in Philippi. Let's carry on reading. My brother, say brother. brother. Ah, it's a proper word, but this is even more proper. Say but. Ah, that's a Benoni way of saying brother. That's proper, it is. That man who phoned me for 90 minutes on Tuesday says to me, Foxy, I want to join a church where I can do life with people, where we can be real with one another. He says, I want to become somebody's brother and I want someone else to become my brother. Thought, wow, that, that's quite special. He wants to do life with brothers, where we can sharpen each other, where we can have a jaw together and do life, but where we can sharpen and encourage and mentor each other. We are here to be brothers at Freedom Church. We are here to be brothers and sisters here at Freedom Church. But check what else, besides just being brothers, check what else he says here. My fellow worker, say fellow worker. Oh my goodness. Fellow soldier who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. That word there, fellow soldier, is apostolos or apostle or messenger. And now you hear certain churches where there's a title that gets given to somebody. And some churches have people joining them because they too want a title. Well, I am a prophet. And I am a prayer warrior. No, actually... We're going to join church together. We're going to be part of this family where we are going to be called brothers and sisters and we are going to be called fellow workers where nobody gets given a title. And I said to this man on the phone for 90 minutes, I said, if you do come and decide to join Freedom Church, you will find a team that is praying behind the scenes that we will be doing life together where relationships are real, where relationships are radical, and where relationships are very relational, where nobody gets given a title. We are brothers, we are sisters, we are fellow workers, we are fellow soldiers, as we press on and build the kingdom of Jesus in our city. And it is a privilege today, ma'am, to be called your son. I saw you at Hecker's Nursery on Friday morning. I was driving out, I saw you. You, you gave some food to the car guard. You have been the hands and feet of Jesus. It is a privilege, ma'am, to be called your son. Yes, my, my biological mom is here. And it's a privilege, ma'am, to be called your brother. Where we do life together. As brothers and sisters. Where we pray together. Where we become soldiers together and fight for the kingdom of God in our city. Where we work together. Yes, we do work together. Where a mom, who is a business analyst, 
decides to come to church early on a Sunday morning after her husband has just done this incredible race to the Sin City. You know that place there, Sun City, yesterday. And, and she comes. She could rest. It's Mother's Day. I've been busy. I've been working 14, 15 hours. No, no. She comes today and sets up kids' registration here. Fellow worker. Where a mum, a mum, a lady in our church comes and, and, and she's an events coordinator and works at an event till early hours of Sunday morning, but still comes and sets up and helps with Freedom Kids. Fellow worker. Where a mom who's almost going to be a granny sometime in the next couple of months serves at Freedom Kids and one of the babies by mistake does a number two. My life, it's hard enough for me to change my own kids' nappies when they were tiny. Now she's got to, boom. Where she says, you know what, empty nest at home, I've done this many years. Where a divorced mom comes to church on a Saturday afternoon and sets out the chairs and says, we're going to clean them a bit better. Where some of her friends say to her, write God off, don't go back to church. You've been shortchanged by God, divorced. No, no. We are fellow workers together, building the kingdom of God. And I commend you, ladies and moms, but ladies today, for your genuine interest in your families, your genuine interest in those around you, in the townhouse complex. Someone was telling me about your wife in the townhouse complex. Little toddler, little baby, making a genuine interest in those around them. And you're saying, Daryl, stop it now. You're making a big deal of the moms and ladies today. I'm making a big deal of what it means to be part of a church. That's why I'm making a big deal of this. You know what sometimes happens in the church? We become so mission-orientated. It all becomes about the mission and what we've got to do and the band that must be perfect and let's put some more stuff up here and sort out things here. It must be the mission. There are a number of teams that operate here at Freedom Church. Parking, coffee, Freedom Babes in the class there, Freedom Kids down there, sets up, sweats up on a Saturday, my goodness. Sweat down on a Sunday. We do the chairs, but there's silly stairs that we've got to pack everything up afterwards, my life. Thanks for that, Mrs. Stanswell. But I'll tell you what, sometimes the mission can so easily become the focus point. There's a couple that come on a Sunday after church, and they help sit down. She walks off with her friend to the car because they're having a conversation about their kids, and they're busy building a relationship together. And she comes back, rushing, running back into the hall. She says, guys, I've let you down, eh? I've let you down today because I've been talking to that mom at the car. And now we're busy and we're sweating and we've lost hands yeah, because she's there. And someone says to her, he says, no. No, people come first at Freedom Church. People are more important than the mission here at Freedom Church. We will not do that here at Freedom Church. We will not allow the mission to become more important than people. We want to take a genuine interest in people. God wanted to move Epaphroditus and Paul from the bottom of his heart. He says, I'm sending him with you. Churches do not own people. Churches do not and may not and cannot control people. 
God chooses to use and send people wherever he chooses to send them, friends. He builds his kingdom. He chooses to send people just like he chose to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. Beautiful, eh? The second thing we see in this preach today, turn to chapter 3, verse 10. This is incredible. Paul says this, eh, guys? He says, I want to know Christ. I highlighted that word, no. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. How many of us sitting here in church today got up because we want to get to know Christ a little bit better? Yeah. Okay. We came to church for purpose. I want to know Christ a little bit better. He says, I want to experience the mighty power. Say mighty power. My goodness. He's talking about the dynamite power here. When you give your life to Jesus, sir, and you accept him as your savior, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, and you start applying and listening and obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit, you start experiencing the mighty power that Paul is talking about here. The mighty power of Jesus. I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. He has a big one-liner. He says, I want to suffer with him. Incredible, eh? What do you think that means? I want to suffer with Christ. You know what I think could be related to him saying, I want to suffer with Christ? He has my two cents worth. Being a Christian is tough. Being a Christian sometimes means that you show our city, Benoni, that we are different to the way they live. Not better. We're different. And sometimes it's hard to make those calls to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to give in to the flesh. Could it be dying to the flesh? That Paul's talking, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to put the flesh down. And I've told you guys many times, this heart of mine, sometimes I want to take it out, man, and I want to beat it with a stick, because there's stuff in my heart. It's no different to your heart. We all, we all deal with stuff. Could it be, I'm going to suffer, because what does he say? I'm going to put down the flesh, because I want to share in his death, and one day experience the resurrection from the dead, eternal life. One way or another, he says, I'm going to experience that. One day or another, I'm going to live with the mighty power of the Holy Spirit in me. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to put that down. I'm not going to do that. My flesh wants to, of course, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to suffer with Christ. And then verse 12, he drops this bomb quietly, softly. This is what he says. I don't mean to say that I've arrived, guys. I don't mean to say, Paul says, that I've already achieved all of this or that I've already reached perfection. Guys, I haven't, he says. It's incredible humility from this guy, Paul, eh? And I trust today that to next Sunday, the following Sunday, that in three years' time, four years' time, when we're in the tent one day, I trust that whoever stands up and preaches up here will never preach from a place of them arriving and them having it all together, living this perfect life. None of us are perfect. Every single one of us are on a journey. We are all on this spiritual journey, learning how to live with the mighty power of Jesus, learning how to suffer like Christ so that one day we can experience eternal life. Ah, Daryl, you must be 600 steps ahead of me, eh? I'm not. I think this week I was five steps behind my mates. 
because I uh, had a bit of an anger burst on Tuesday morning around the airport. You folks know about that. Eh? The bus tried to take me out. I don't know if it was on purpose. And me and the bus driver up against the window, and I'm tuning the oak. <laughs> Guys, you this week, I think, were probably a couple steps ahead in the way you deal with anger and road rage and pressure. Let's be real with each other. Oh, guys, it's your fault. You woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's why I had an anger outburst. I was tired. I was ratty. No, no. Let's take ownership of the things that we are working through in the spiritual journey. Let's not put the blame on others, guys. I got an anger issue. Only work it out. Was the bus driver wrong? Yes. Doesn't matter. That's how I handle it. And maybe, just maybe, tomorrow I might just be a half a step ahead of you, sir. But we're on a journey where you can pick up the phone and say, but whew, I'm actually going through a bit of a challenge here, but uh, I don't know how to handle this. We're on a spiritual journey together. Amen? Who will forget the moms? Standing up here today, running this race of life, the spiritual journey that they are on, giving their time, putting others first, serving, using their resources for those around them and their families. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, he's so humble, or that I've already reached perfection, comma, but I press on, say press on, my life, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Friends, we've got to fully understand what Jesus has done for us. We've got to grasp it, friends. In a time of deep uncertainty, people are wandering around, eh? How many other moms are, are anxious about giving birth in the next week or so? When we know what Jesus has done for us, we can live with purpose. And we're going to get on now to talk a little bit about what that actually means to live with purpose. You're not a mistake. It's not by chance that you are working in a school and in that business firm and in your office and touching, rubbing shoulders. with You are here for a purpose on, for a time such as this, friends. Forgetting all that happened last week, eh? Get home and I'll tell my wife, yes, I blew it today, eh? God, forgive me for just uh, the way I engage with that guy. But then I forget what lays behind. Then I press on to what lies ahead. And I think too many of us are living with this thing of what happened last year, what happened last week. He says, forgetting all of that, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. That's the challenge for you and I. Uncle Peter, you walk down the aisle very slowly with your walking stick. Thank you for the example you said. I press on. I press on forgetting the stuff I did when I was 20. The mistakes I made when I was 40. I press on looking ahead for the price. Amen. And everything else must take second place. Does it have to? No, I want it to. Because I put Jesus first as Lord of my life. Forgetting everything else. My wife is 47 now. Yeah. She, she, she's at Freedom Kids. <laughs> you, okay, don't tell her. I shouldn't have said that, eh? 
You say, Daryl, why, why do you mention that, that your wife is, is at Freedom Kids and, and, and my wife, your wife is there today, she's sitting next to you, tucked in. Do you want your nice, pretty wife to sit here every week and just be with you and support her? No, we are fellow workers. There's no title. There's no separate. We are fellow workers. You, ma'am, I don't know how old you are. I won't shout it out. I might get in trouble again. But my mom, I won't tell her how old she is. I better be careful. But so many people are wasting their lives. I want to say this carefully. You are not meant, you are not meant to live right now for a time such as this to go and retire in a retirement village and play bingo. And I, and I say that on two I like bingo. I'm getting to, my, my mom, you stay in the retirement village and you suddenly start playing bingo with, with some of your friends. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's bigger purpose. And so today I get to honor my biological mom because when her neighbor phones her and says, I, I need to go to the doctor, can you take me? Yes, give me 10 minutes, I'll get dressed. You are here for a bigger purpose than just retiring and playing bingo. Thank you, mums. Thank you, ladies, for modeling what it means to live for Jesus in our city at a time such as this. This bracket between genuineness and generosity. And in this bracket, we find ladies living with the purposes of God, with deep humility, just like Paul, rejoicing in God despite circumstances. I spoke to a lady, I said, is your husband with you today? Despite circumstances. Living with an eternal perspective. Hey, maybe you're saying, Daryl, I, I never had that example in, in my biological mom. I didn't have that in my adopted mom. I didn't have a granny who could model that to me. I challenge you, ma'am, you be that mom that you didn't have. You be that lady to somebody else. As you grow up, Toinette, one day and you get married and you play a role for God's kingdom. Amen? Goes on in chapter 4. Let me jump here. Sorry, verse 20 tells us this. It says, While others have set their minds on earthly things, our citizenship is in heaven. And I've got to be honest right now. In the times of South Africa, I'm really not enjoying being a citizen of South Africa. It's tough. And it's hard to see just a little bit of positive in our country right now. It's not lacquer. And I don't have a visa to get out of here. Can I be honest with you? This verse 20 tells us, sir, our citizenship is in heaven. Your wife's getting, giving birth to, to a daughter or a son in the next couple of weeks. Our citizenship is not in South Africa. Our citizenship is in heaven. And you can go and apply for citizenship in America, and you can take your fiancé, Curtis MacPhail, and you can maybe immigrate and look at the States or Canada. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to say, if you're going to try and do that to find peace, you'll never find it. You will only find peace if you understand that your citizenship is in heaven. Amen. Then you can live with peace. Amen? Chapter 4, verse 2 says, Paul, Paul says this, I plead with you, you dear, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. Say agree in the Lord. 
we can't agree on everything, guys. I can't agree with, with how that man treats his wife, or he won't agree with me how I treat my wife. That mom over there won't agree with that mom over there how she's busy bringing up her kids, and it's completely different to how you choose to bring up your kids. Uh, you know, your kids need an afternoon nap. Nah, that, that mom couldn't be bothered. That mom there says, your kids can have two ice creams a day. That mom says, Tim Noakes says, no sugar for my kids. We, we, we're different. We're different. We, we cannot agree on, on, on everything together. When I see Sagrin sitting over there, my goodness, I am too scared to come to your house for dinner, buddy, because of the spicy curry we're going to eat. But <laughs> the, the way we've grown up, we, we are different because of our upbringing. We are different because of our opinions. It's fine to have an opinion, but, but when I put my opinion upon you, that becomes a problem. We are all different, but he's saying here, let's agree in the Lord, because we've got nothing in common except when this wall of hostility comes down, and we look at each other, and we start agreeing in the Lord. We've got no other choice to look at each other when that wall comes down. You see what happens, friends. There was a ceiling between God and myself, and Jesus came so he could break that ceiling, but he doesn't leave it there. He gives us this mandate, agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Where relationships start taking place here. We're young and old, rich and poor, black and white, educated and uneducated, single, married and divorced, where we can put those differences aside and we can come together and we can agree in the Lord. And the angels in heaven look down upon the school hall and say, wow, God's presence must be here. Oh, because of the lights and the great sound and the picture-perfect band. No, because people are coming and they are agreeing in the Lord. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Say rejoice in the Lord always. It's hard, eh? How do I do that practically? He says, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness. Ladies, moms, your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. How do I do that? But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace, say peace. Oh, the world's looking for peace, eh? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. The peace of God that the world has no clue about. Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We get pulled in every single direction. Pressure, bank balance, capital, overdraft, bond, new car, service, this, that, kids. When you start getting pulled in every single direction, don't be anxious about anything. How come? By prayer, by petition, with thanksgiving. God, thank you that I've got a warm bed tonight. Thank you, God. Your power's off, but I've got an alarm. I've got a door. I've got, I've got a home. I've got family. My kids are safe. Thank you, God, for what I do have. Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding that doesn't actually make sense, will guard your hearts and your minds. I don't know about you, but the battle takes place in my heart. The battle takes place in my mind. Where there's heart, I said it's evil, it's fleshly, it's sinful. 
my feelings, my mind, what I'm thinking. That's where the battle takes place, friends. Then it goes on to say in verse 8, if anything is true, if anything is noble, if anything is right, say right. right. Think about such things. Understand where we're going here. My thought life is going to start, and everything from my thought life is going to start being affected. Think about things that are right, sir. Think about things that are true, ma'am. You know what? It says in 1 John, it says the devil is a liar. I spoke to a a man this morning. What's your native language? John and Eric outside looking after our cars. Zulu. What's your native language? Afrikaans. What's your native language? Greek. What's your native language? English. Devil, what is your native language? Lying. Lying. You know that only 8% of all our worrying actually becomes a reality. Incredible, eh? So 92% of what I am worrying about will actually never ever become a reality. Paul says, listen guys, he says, I'm in jail. Flip man, wake up, I'm in jail. But this is what I'm thinking about. Amazing, eh? I'm thinking about what's true. I'm thinking about what's right. I'm thinking about what's excellent. I'm thinking about what's praiseworthy. But I'm in jail, I'm in chains. Let's take a page out of Paul's book. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, guys, whatever is noble, but... Whatever is noble, sister, think about those things. Whatever is admirable. My wife's left me. I can't see the kids. I've resigned. Think about those things. What is noble? Think about what is right, sir. And the God of peace will be with you. Say, God of peace. Tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, what are you thinking about? Think about those things. Right, true, noble, admirable, excellent. The God of peace will be with you. You're a failure, sir. Your marriage is a disaster. People are talking badly about you. No, you're not a failure. You might have made some mistakes, but that does not make you a failure. Disqualified. No, that's not true. Born out of wedlock, you're a mistake. No, that's not true. You were adopted by God. That's what's true. And when you start to think about what's true, you get your thought life right, you start to experience the peace of God. And the world doesn't understand it. And then you get examples of spirit-filled people, like Paul in the Bible, who God uses to teach us how to think. They model for us how to think. They model for us what to do when these feelings from the heart and the flesh start wanting to take over. I was thinking about you today, Paul. Your mother gave birth to you on Mother's Day, hey, but your mom was an incredible lady. She modeled to you what to do, how to live, what to believe. She always said, do the right thing. And your kids, her grandkids are sitting next to you, modeled for us. Thank you, moms, for modeling to us of how to live and how to think, just like Eunice and just like Louis, Timothy's mom and and his granny. 
Whatever you've heard or seen from me, Paul says, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And he's not this oak standing there saying, I've got it together. He says, I'm actually the worst sinner of all. But just listen to how I'm applying it. Take a little bit of a page out of my book. That's what Paul says. And moms, you've taught us about love. And you've taught us about humility. Your grand did, eh? I remember that day when your grand passed on. You live that legacy that your grand left for you, girl. You've taught us, moms, about the peace of God. And we can apply the scriptures, and we too can learn and live in that place of peace. And we close with this. Chapter 4, verse 16. He says, even as I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid again and again and again. Say again and again. Moms, you've been worthy of that. Ladies, you have been worthy of being called again and again and again and again, moms. And because of you being again and again and again, moms, to us, your kids, your grandkids, they go out tomorrow as architects, as business people, as business analysts, as interior designers, as pilots, as lawyers, as sales reps, as university students, they go out because of you being again and again moms. And they build the kingdom of God. On this side of the bracket, we've got this side here with genuineness. I was at a youth function yesterday. They said young adults are looking for people who are genuine. They can be generous in their time. Moms, ladies, this side of the bracket, in honor of you today, genuineness and generosity. And in the middle, we've got a group of ladies here in this school hall. You've worked wholeheartedly in building God's kingdom as fellow soldiers, as prayer warriors. You found yourselves in Christ. For that we say thank you. As you've run and continue to run this race of endurance, Keeping your eyes on Jesus. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. In Jesus' name. Amen.